Welcome to the Hired Geek Podcast, where we explore the impact of edtech on the student experience with engaging, fun, and relevant conversations that honor the wide range of work happening all across the higher ed ecosystem. I'm your host, Dustin Ramsdale, Community Engagement Lead at Pathify. Join me every week for discussions with some of the best minds in education technology. The Hired Geek Podcast is a proud member of the Enrollify Podcast Network, a robust collection of shows designed to help higher education professionals like you grow every day. Explore all of our other shows at Enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at Element451.com. I'm very excited and honored to have our guest today, a fellow podcaster on the Enrollify Podcast Network. Uh, you will see more of these coming out in the feed uh, with this new season this year, uh, just to help introduce all the awesome people I've just been observing uh, over the past several months uh, since joining the network myself, some of the folks who have been on there preceding me or came on after. There's a lot of, lot of great folks. So uh, excited to have this opportunity to get to know them uh, for myself, but then also help our audience uh, know about all the other awesome people and shows and stuff on the Enroll Live Podcast Network. But uh, we will start as we always do. Uh, Jamie, if you want to do a brief introduction of yourself, like I, I feel like you're very well known in all this sort of high red uh, marketing circles and everything. And, but I've started to get to know you just sort of kind of seeing your work and uh, listening to episodes of your show and everything. So if you want to kind of give like the elevator pitch, I guess, of just sort of introducing yourself, and then we'll kind of dig in with everything else. Yeah. So I am a higher ed CMO who's been working in higher ed. This is my 20th year. Um, and I am passionate about leading with empathy and um, building really innovative uh, marketing communications teams. Um, and I have been at, I think, six institutions in the last 20 years, um, which is sort of mind-blowing to me. Uh, but currently, I'm at Old Dominion University, where I am the CMO and Vice President for University Communications. Yeah. And I mean, I think you helped for me, especially somebody from kind of the, the outside looking in, not in sort of the formal like higher ed marketing circles, like that idea of like chief marketing officer, kind of hoisting that title and mantle up and sort of examining that or sort of, uh, you know, and we'll talk about your show in a bit here, but just the idea of like confessions of, you know, that empathy, that sort of <laughs> yeah. personality and humanity of all this kind of stuff. It's, uh, yeah, it's good that that's sort of like guiding your work in all things and sort of shows up in the podcast as well. But um, as of the recording of this, we're recording this early December, 2023. Uh, I know uh, recently, uh, and I was uh, very envious and, and jealous I couldn't be there, but the uh, AMA, the American Marketing Association, Marketing of Higher Education uh, Conference. Uh, I know it's a big deal in these circles and everything. And as somebody who I would hope to maybe go next year, just because I feel like it seems like it's a, an amazing uh, time, a lot of great people there. Uh, any reflections that you want to share just of sort of what, uh, what that experience was like since that was so recent? Yeah, I am such a fan of AMA. And I am have to give a little disclaimer, I'm on the planning committee for the symposium. So I'm like probably contractually obligated to love it. But um, I do actually love it. And it feels a little bit like you're with your people, right? Like it's people with the same challenges as you. And it's a conference for people across the spectrum from this is your first year out of college, and you're in an entry level role all the way up to You've been, you're a veteran of the industry. You've been um, in higher ed for a long time. And with about 1,400 attendees, you're going to find people who are in similar boats that you're in. 
schools of all sizes and types. Um, we're really trying to make sure that we're engaging all the different types of schools. Um, so community colleges, HBCUs, you know, everything, um, getting everybody involved. But for me, the takeaway from um, the event in November, aside from the sprained ankle that I got while I was presenting, um, is that there is so much interest in AI right now that every round table was packed. Every session that talked about AI was packed. It was like people are so hungry for knowledge and insights into how to use AI. And right now, I still think we're kind of at the ground floor. If you're diving in now, I think you're still getting in in its infancy and can hopefully learn and adapt and grow as the tools evolve. Um, it's not too late to get in, interested in it, but it was very evident to me that higher ed marketers are seeing the opportunity here and taking it really seriously. Um, the other thing I would say um, as a takeaway, I, I was part of the senior leadership experience, and that is that there's a very big realization among higher ed CMOs in particular that these are really vulnerable jobs and that a lot of times when our schools might be struggling with issues, the finger ends up being pointed back at marketing or branding as somehow failing the institution. And then, you know, the CMO gets ousted after, you know, two years or something. And it's so disruptive to the institution to have this change in strategy around brand every couple of years. Um, and you really can't expect a marketing leader to be able to be effective in that short window of time. And then they're sort of gone. And so that was something I heard a lot from my colleagues. I have a lot of colleagues who are very concerned about their jobs right now and are really strongly feeling the pressure. And, and this isn't really a, a fun and lighthearted topic to talk about. But, you know, that was something I feel like if you're working in higher ed marketing, you need to be aware of. Um, and even if you don't, if you work in other parts of higher ed, to be aware of the pressures that are on your marketing office and how in a lot of ways they hold the the weight of the success of your institutions, good or bad. Yeah. I mean, I think that it is important. And that's sort of like that I'm trying to think of the right word, but that sort of like call to action around that sort of like the idea of like what this role actually is. And certainly like there's, you know, I'm sure there's more than enough opportunities of people showcasing like the positive impact and sort of celebrating that. And so there's sort of a lot of positive energy, but it's like, you know, because there's sort of this high level of potential and impact, like there's a lot of, you know, you could have the other side, like a lot of expectations or accountability or sort of, you know, uh, responsibility and all that. So I think it, it is interesting, but good that that was acknowledged and you're trying to kind of marry those two things to really uh, account for that, that sort of that environment, that, that culture that you're going to be going into so that you can not almost like hamstring yourself because you're too reticent or something or whatever. Um, Cause I think that that's kind of like the, uh, it's like a very unfortunate recipe that like, yeah, you, you only know the other side where it's like, oh my gosh, this is such a like, you know, kind of like toxic culture where people are like ousted here. And it's like, no, it's not that extreme. Like there is right. this, let's like talk about it. And then let's talk about how, yeah, we could leverage something like AI to reach greater heights and sort of, you know, put you in a position where, uh, yeah, you're achieving the goals of the institution and uh, doing it in a, you know, responsible, sustainable way and everything. So, uh, 
And yeah, I mean, I, I think too, just, I, I was wondering if you're going to bring it up or not, but just that idea of like, you were sharing some like uh, videos each day, kind of recapping stuff, which I really appreciate. So I try to do that as much as I can when I go to conferences as well and mentioning even the, again, the humanity, the vulnerability of uh, like sprained my ankle, you guys, like that was the thing that happened. Um, because I think it's like that idea of like, you know, conferences, especially if you're a speaker, it's like, well, I'm up on the stage and doing all these things. And it's like, things happen still and it's fine. Yes. Life goes on and it's kind of, you know, uh, acknowledge it and all that. And I think just that, that nature that I guess you feel like AMA and certainly I guess you have a better vantage point on this. And then if it's just like going, we're like, oh, I don't know. I had fun. It was cool. Whatever. Like, you know, that it, like the event was a success and kind of why, like what the sort of ingredients were there, but like that it can feel like an environment that this is like very comprehensive, very intentional and all that. Cause I think like just some events steer more one way or the other. So like, it's, it's good to know that, you know, uh, sort of achieving that that balance and perspective of uh, the field at this moment. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, we did a really nice job of bringing in speakers from all types of schools too. Um, we had a lot of proposal submissions, um, I think over 300, somewhere in that range. And there was a lot of intentionality about making sure that we had content that spanned the entire career life cycle. So, so like I said, from if you're, you know, a baby higher ed marketer just cutting their teeth on it to, you know, the grizzled old veteran or whatever and everything in between. Um, and that's what I think I like most about um, this conference compared to some others where it kind of feels like, oh, there's like three sessions on this one topic, but nothing at all on this other really important topic. Um it's, it's a great conference. That said, there's a, there's a lot of great professional learning opportunities out there. If you can't afford to go or whatever, there's lots of other opportunities out there too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I am trying to figure out a good rhythm of like, what are the ones that are like my professional home? I got to go every year. I can sort of rely on that. And how do I kind of keep a diverse diet of like, okay, that was cool. I don't know if I need to go every year, but I'm going to try to like keep an eye on it. Maybe if it's closer, you know, the time mm -hmm. of year or whatever that'll help kind of determine or you know anything like that but um yeah but want to make space for that because i know actually i mean look i feel like a lot of people on the enroll five podcast network are involved with that so it's just like hey yeah. you were the first one and it just just last month so let's see what you you know what you had to say about it but uh but yeah i know uh you've been uh in the podcasting game now and found uh you know certainly what you're doing is definitely resonating a lot you know just that idea of bringing that uh kind of humanity and kind of uh, kind of introspection into, uh, you know, marketing, whether it is like even bringing in just like the people who work with CMOs and sort of, you know, just that kind of environmental kind of ecosystem, you know, that CMOs that are, are existing in and examining that. But we'll start at the beginning. What inspired you to get into podcasting? I feel like it's something that a lot of people are like curious about or interested in or dabble in, but then just sort of bail out. But like, what inspired you to get started with in the first place? So I, I'm going to age myself pretty drastically here, but in 2006, I actually um, proposed a podcast at the institution that I worked at and um, drafted all the scripts, got the talent, uh, recorded them all. We, we were with like a little recorder in a closet with like a bunch of blankets around us um, recording, and then I edited them all and um, posted them and shared them. So I've been super interested in podcasting since like it was invented really. Um, and I've always loved radio, you know, all of that, which is similar. Um, but I wanted to have a higher ed podcast and I was toying with this idea in January of, I guess, 22 now. And 
out of the blue, Zach uh, Buzacruz called me and um, said that he had heard my name sort of bandied about as a potential podcast host. And I just loved what he was trying to build with the Enrollify Network and loved the support that I would have. I wouldn't have to edit it myself. Um, they would help promote it um, and get it in front of people. And so for me, that was a, a win-win getting it out there without having to do all of that stuff myself while also still having the creative freedom to do what I want with the podcast. And, and Zach was really, really collaborative, collaborative with it. Um, but what I wanted to do was kind of have a podcast that could be like a mini conference session with every episode. When you're talking to somebody who's doing a deep dive into what they're doing at their institution on a, on a single topic that really brings to life something that maybe I haven't seen at a conference yet or is something that's been talked about at a conference but maybe um, at a different level or in a different way, but to bring that content to, to folks and also make sure that I'm infusing in that, that leading with empathy piece um, because I think that that is something that's so critical for us as marketers. We need to have empathy to be able to see things from somebody else's perspective in order to be effective marketers. But then beyond that, I think for those of us who do have what I consider a privilege of leading people, um, leading with empathy, I think, is the best and only way to effectively lead people. And so if what I can do can inspire people a little bit to explore that, I think that's that's feeds my heart a lot. Um, because I think that if we're empowering our people and helping our people maximize their talents and abilities, we're just going to get such better work um, if you need to have that business case for it. Personally, I think leading with empathy means you get to keep your humanity and and be the wonderful person that you are. Um, but if you need the business case, I think the, the productivity and the outcomes are stronger um, when you lead with, with empathy. So I'm trying to weave both learning more about marketing things with being a more empathetic person and hope that it inspires people. Amazing that you were like, be like, yeah, let's do this. Like back in 2006 of starting a podcast, because it's like, it was absolutely not as easy as it is today. And like, I <laughs> knew sort of like, you know, kind of the, how the sausage is made back in like, because it's going to be almost 10 years since I started my first one. Uh, so back in 2014, just like, you know, I don't know, doing like backdoor things with like Skype and whatever, yes. and like virtual <laughs> interviews or whatever. But um, so, yeah, I mean, and I think that's like, it does seem like the people who are successful have some sort of germ of like, oh, you know, I like it's like for me, it's like even before starting my first one was like uh, doing like radio TV stuff in high school and all that. So just that like comfort with like capturing content and then editing it and then like putting it in front of people and all that, like that I feel like helps people be more successful, not saying that that is like a required, you know, sort of skill set or experience or whatever, but um, that certainly helps because I think there's like those initial hurdles and stuff. And I, I like to kind of your uh, almost like not restricting yourself by like the premise or something, because that would be another way where people would just sort of like, you know, burn out or fizzle out where it's just like, nope, if it's like the confessions of a CMO, like that's sort of like who we're talking to. It's only CMOs. We're only going to do that. And it's like, Okay, yeah, that's great for like consistency, but like I would think at a point it would be hard to get like a lot of different perspectives and because it's like, hey, I mean, there's only so many like institutions <laughs> right. or CMOs or whatever, or like uh, I don't know, but like uh, so like I think that sort of like that core and that heart and that you are sort of like 
letting that kind of start to ripple out of like, you know, okay, what does it mean to be a, a CMO from your perspective that like leading with empathy and that, you know, that is part of it in the sense of like, it's not just managing, it is leading, which can entail just sort of like who you are, what you're about, how you're sort of navigating in the world, who, how you work with other people, how you, how you do manage people like that report to you. But um, so I feel like, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, cool. Now we, we've expanded the sandbox here. There's going to be a lot more room. And um, yeah, that idea of like every episode being, you know, because it's like, I guess the, the how it would equate is, you know, the fireside chats or something. It's like, hey, it's just me and one other person or maybe two, whatever. It may be more of like a panel, but sort of focus on the relevancy for people's everyday working lives and everything. You know, like I, I aspire towards sort of a, a similar thing. It's like we could do that with, you know, humanity, with fun, with sort of some levity or whatever mm-hmm. else. But but that's a very uh, compelling vision. It's cool. It's going to get a peek behind the curtain of like <laughs> how you sort of navigate the creating the episodes. And yeah, you've been doing it. It launched April 2022. So it's over one and a half years. That's much longer than many other podcasts, you know, get the luxury yeah. of existing everything. So if you want to kind of take this, we can break it apart if you want to start one one area or the other. Like, but what have you learned personally, professionally from this journey so far uh, of doing episodes over this year and a half? Yeah. So I just recorded episode 44 and I have learned from 44 amazing people. It's a secret way of getting professional development myself too, because I'm talking to people about an area where they have a ton of expertise. And that has been um, fascinating. And I think that one of the things I've learned um, ties back to the the listenership. So it's, I'm, I'm humbled by what the listenership is. I mean, it's a very popular podcast. I, I am trying to be like Barbie and just own that, right? Like it's a very popular podcast. But I think a piece of that is because um, I am my authentic self in the podcast, and I try to bring out the authentic selves of my guests on the podcast. And I think that people want that authenticity. I think people crave it, particularly now in a world where there's so much that's artificial and fake and phony um, to have people who are actually connecting as two human beings, I think is something people resonate with a lot. And that informs me as a marketer too, because it makes me think about how we reach um, our prospective students and that they're looking for that same authenticity and what can that look like? And how can I be as a leader helping my teams bring in their authentic selves and bring that authenticity? So I think It's been just a really stark lesson in if I'm myself, if I own who I am, um, that resonates with people more than when I'm trying to be something I'm not. When I started as a leader, I've been um, a higher ed CMO for eight and a half years now. And when I started, I thought I had to be hard. I had thought I had to be tough. I thought I had to put this mantle on me that wasn't authentic to who I am. And I over... The course of the last eight and a half years, learning from some great and wonderful people, but also through this podcast experience, um, I've learned that instead, be the person that I am and um, be a person with humanity and with empathy that leads from a place of compassion. And that doesn't mean there's no accountability, but that those things will make you much more comfortable. And when you're comfortable, when you're confident, when you're authentic to yourself, that's when a success comes along. That's when that's when things start to really pop for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that like 
you could like sort of learn the same thing in both areas. There's the idea of like authenticity and the power of that and how to sort of like, uh, I mean, walk that tightrope. Because I think there, there's a version with what you were saying, especially just like the position you're in and certainly, you know, maybe the people that you're talking about and that you're like, you know, you're getting a lot of positive reception to that like ego just takes over like it's just becomes this sort of like vanity project and i think anybody who knows like podcasting as a world it's like that is a uh a major driver of a lot of uh podcasts out there is people just wanting like this you know platform that they can create and manage and do whatever they want with to just like get all the attention that they think that they deserve and the kind of attention and present themselves in a way that's like you know super polished or whatever and it's not to say that it's like you know any podcast like oh you shouldn't edit it should be just like completely raw it's like no like we're gonna edit it so that we showcase like what the person is saying and make it as clear and concise and compelling as possible but it's like they said what they said they said it how they say it like you can only edit so much and all that and even just that idea of like you're doing a show that is interviewing other people and that sort of like empathy and all these words that sort of keep kind of ringing in the episode it's like sort of it is such a good practice like you said even just like if nothing else it's like i know that i was like hey nobody listens i learned from it but then it's like (laughs) you know even just the activity of doing it it's like you need to find that balance of like okay i want to put my fingerprints on this but i need to make the space for somebody make them feel sort of heard and validated and all that like it's been such a good exercise for me in that and like i was telling somebody where it's like you know, identifying as an introvert. And I'd actually say probably a lot of podcasters probably do like identify that way because like just the nature of this, this medium. But like, I feel like I've gone to the gym of podcasting for almost 10 years. And the idea of like having good conversations with people being very curious and all that, like that's such a big takeaway, I feel like, and why I enjoy doing this even after all this time and can't ever see stopping. Is it like, like, well, Debbie, do you ever stop going to the gym? You just kind of keep doing it. And you maybe kind of like, <laughs> right. you know, change your routine or whatever, you know, like, um, so yeah, I feel like it's such a, a positive thing. And, and there's other ways to achieve it, I guess, to carry that metaphor forward. The idea of like, it's like, okay, we'll just go out to more networking events or like go to a conference or whatever. Just that idea of like exposing yourself to new things and all that. And you don't have to even necessarily be the person that's like moderating or doing any of those sort of things. But um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like there's so such profound sort of, you know, impacts for a person that kind of goes on this journey sticks with it and goes with sort of the ups and downs of like you know even just like technical hiccups or just sort of like maybe you know i didn't really you know do that episode the best i could what was it about it that i didn't you know you know didn't sit right um and kind of learn and grow from that as well so always a strong advocate of like the medium and everything i love it and my husband will i record in his office um, which is on the third floor of our house. And he will usually be like playing video games on the first floor. And I'll come down after recording and he'll be like, I heard a lot of laughing. So it must have been a good episode because we try to have fun, right? And I think if you listen to my episodes, um, the confessions over the course of my, the 44 I've recorded so far are increasingly real. Like they're increasingly like, yeah, I was a total jerk to my project manager back in 2010. That's my confession. And I'm really sorry. Let's talk about project management. You know, I'm, I'm getting a lot more like, okay, I'm just going to say it like it is. Because I remember one time I posted something and I don't even remember what it was on Twitter, but I had somebody who was earlier career, maybe like five to seven years in the business reach out to me and say, I love that you're just like your weird self because it makes me think there isn't like some sort of magic person who's born to be 
a vice president or a chief marketing officer, that it's something I can aspire to even though I'm weird. And so I try to be my weird self. Um, I, I try to be open about the fact that I, I do live with a disability, that I am a queer woman, um, because I think that those are not things that exclude you from being able to have the career that you want. But I think that if you shove those things down and hide them from people, um, that's when you start to have the problem because you're not your authentic self. You're not living your truth. And people get a sense of that. And, and I think just unconsciously, they're less likely to like embrace you and, and move you forward. So that's, you know, I kind of I feel like I'm loosening up even more um, with every episode I record for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible because I think that's the idea, too, of authenticity is not just sort of like fire hosing, you know, everything on. It's like, no, you can kind of like slow trip it. And especially like the idea that somebody would say like, oh, I can't really just let everybody in on all my stuff all at once. It's like, well, you don't have to. You can kind of like build up on it and just sort of like, you know, share it as it's sort of like organically relevant. And certainly I think, yeah, like my ability to kind of bring sort of a like my authentic sort of levity and just sort of lightheartedness is probably my biggest thing and i kind of like put little breadcrumbs of like i'm sure if somebody's listened to between both shows over 10 years just that idea of like oh yeah he moved and he got a dog and he you know had a kid and got married what um so like just those little like anecdotes but like all of those things like definitely inform the way that i view uh you know the topics that i'm talking about and how i talk about them and um, all that. Cause I think, I guess that's even the thing. Just, I just thought of this. It's like, I have not listened to episodes from a long time ago. Maybe I should do that and do some sort of like react, uh, content or something. But that <laughs> idea of like, I probably had some like, you know, not so great episodes or sort of like dumb takes or something, especially like in hindsight or something. I don't know. But, um, just that it's like knowing like, that's maybe like an idea of authenticity. What I'm sort of getting at here is that like knowing that you will, hopefully i guess sort of like look back and be like wow yeah like i wasn't maybe being fully you know authentic in the sense of like i was guarding things and just sort of like kind of picking and choosing how i kind of talked about myself or whatever um and then even just the idea of being more informed where it's just like oh i i didn't even have you know as much of an idea now about you know leading with empathy but then it's like 44 episodes later it's like oh man i've totally upgraded and now feel so much more confident but looking back it's almost just like i'm cringing i've been being like oh, i didn't really know what i was talking about back then i thought i did but your episode 44 i guess uh, for now as we there's you know certainly if people have kept up with the headlines like the, the network is going through some transition but you know for now i think we're all expecting all the shows kind of moving forward as they were and kind of keeping uh, all the awesome content flowing so as of now as you're sort of you know, looking ahead at the year to come, 2024, any content teases, any things that you're hoping to address or people that you're hoping to talk to that you can kind of tease people with? I'm trying to make sure that I hit on all the areas of um, that fall into the diversity, equity, inclusion banner. So we've talked um, already about race and ethnicity. I have an upcoming episode that's going to talk about reaching the LGBTQIA plus community. We've talked about disability. I want to dig into that a little bit more. I'm looking at talking to some folks that are doing interesting things with their roles that are beyond marketing. So folks who have maybe marketing and IT report to them, or maybe um, they have their chief experience officers. They have some of that 
those other elements in it. I anticipate touching on AI, um, continuing to, to touch on that. The challenge with talking about AI is I usually am recording about a month and a half out and everything's going to be different in a month and a half, you know, so that one's a little bit more challenging topic. Um, user experience, more stuff around that topic. Um, building cultures, building teams that have strong collaborative cultures. Um, lots and lots of stuff in the hopper. I never am short on ideas. Um, my biggest challenge is honestly just getting them scheduled with people not too far out. Like if I say to somebody today, it, it, right now it's December. If I say like, oh my gosh, I want to interview you. My next availability is in three weeks, but it's not going to air until April. People don't love that. So I've been kind of doing, you know, maybe four episodes out and then saying like, okay, now I'm ready to schedule with you so that they're not like, what do you mean April? Um, but lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff on the horizon. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. And I love that, like the, you know, just for kudos to, to you and to uh, other folks on the network, like, I mean, we have a whole show now the I want to work there of just sort of that like team culture, recruitment, staffing and everything like this. That's just sort of a, an idea of like, well, we could talk a big game about all these sort of like, you know, marketing should do this or that or use these tools and everything. But it's just like you have to have actually people to do that. Like, how do you sort yes. of, you know, that, that is, I, I just have a personal interest in that. So I'm glad that there's just more of a, a light being shown on that um, because I think so much gets talked about sort of. Uh, like the tools like AI or something, or people could say like, oh man, social media, what's going on with that? And it's like, yeah, but then there's the, the people that have to like oversee it and to manage it and all that. And how do we sort of like train those people, develop those people, recruit those people, you know, uh, create succession plans or whatever, mm -hmm. else, you know, like there's like a lot of cool. So I just, I just like that kind of aspect of, of the work as much as the other stuff and hoping that like that, you know, there's sort of room at the table for, for all those sort of topics. And then certainly, yeah, I mean, there's, so many things and again i'm just to kind of reinforce the point glad that you keep a very uh open mind as to the sort of like topics and stuff that you talk about because it all just is sort of uh, hopefully kind of gets blended together to inform the perspectives of uh you know your colleagues across the country so uh we will end though as we always do uh final thought call to action on this topic uh you know we've kind of just focused on your journey through podcasting and what that sort of uh you know how that sort of informed your work and everything but just uh yeah final thought call to action uh the floor is yours as i end every episode of confessions of a higher ed cmo just go out into the world and bust as many silos as you can like let's just go tear those down piece by piece and you can do it from wherever you sit you don't have to be the cmo important reminder always i feel like it's like we always just need to like you know slap that on our walls or something just to see it every day because like yeah i mean that's the idea that like you could do all the things that we're talking about but it's just going to hamstring you moving forward if you're kind of like doing it in, in isolation and all that so um good words to live by good uh, reminder for folks and i uh, will certainly you know as always have ways to connect with you uh confessions of cmo and uh everything else uh, in the show notes and description of this episode but um thanks so much for, for hanging out Thank you. I was honored to come on the show. The Hired Geek Podcast is a part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances you like all the other Enrollify shows too. 
Podcast Network is growing constantly, and we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks all designed to empower you to be a better hired professional. Our shows help you find your next big idea and feature a selection of the industry's best as your host. Learn from people like Jamie Hunt, Seth O'Dell, Dave Kibbold, and Eddie Francis, as well as so many other of your favorite leaders in higher education. Enrollify is made possible by the support of Element 451, a leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.